0: Welcome to New Vine Lakes Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message and that as you listen, your faith truly does come alive in Jesus. What a beautiful weekend um, we've had together. The presence of the Lord has been so beautiful for us. Same presence is here with us right now in this place. Do you mind if I go? I just feel more yeah. connected. Right, Sorry for the camera, people. I just uh, <laughs> and I just want to say hi to those who are online as well. And and, I, and because I'll forget to say goodbye to you <laughs> online later on, so <laughs> goodbye as well. <laughs> Terrific. Tremendous joy for me. Unfortunately Helen hasn't been able to come very much. Uh, We felt the Lord wanted us to take her mum in with us and uh, bless her in the last years of her life and um, sometimes that has a bit of price and it means Helen can't be away with me so uh, she hasn't been able to be here so much. I was from a very small town in Victoria called Mount Beauty. I don't know if any of you have seen that little town. It's close to Bright. If you don't know where Bright is, it's very close to Mount Beauty. <laughs> and uh, very simple little town. And uh, we had these trees that would grow on the way to school. There was a big line of these trees. And uh, these trees would grow just clusters of seeds all over them that were shaped exactly like propellers. And we, were, we would grab big handfuls of them and you could get hundreds of these seeds in your hands and they'd come off so easily, designed to be caught by the wind and be carried by the wind. And you could get handfuls of these seeds and blow on these seeds and just watch them just fly wherever that wind took them. And I just have a feeling that this atmosphere is full of the seeds of promise and direction for you. And we don't know where they're going to land but I'm always trying to position myself under a a seed somewhere so that they land on me. Because, you know... Any man can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God knows the number of apples in a seed. And the things that can come from God that can be just so multiplied through us. Multiplied through us. I guess it's why David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. I guess if we talked about presence, this would be one beautiful aspect of it. It's heart's desire to remain and live all the days of your life in the presence of the Lord and just behold the beauty of the Lord. Um, it's just the preciousness of his presence that we're after, that we go for, that we seek. One thing have I desired. See, this this level of desire, Steve spoke beautifully into this yesterday morning in in the area of hungering and thirsting after the Lord. And we see David's heart, as he would probably pick up his little harp his little guitar I I wanted to take an offering for the guitarist this morning so I can get a bit bigger one (laughs) yeah but then I saw that it was a maton, and I thought no he doesn't need us to take an offering for him I'm just joking with you mate it was fantastic I love those I've got one of those little ones because you can carry him on a plane with you. Now my fingers have got old and this one here doesn't want to play the chords. It gets this jabbing pain in it. I still worship and I still use it, but it doesn't sound very good. One thing have I desired of the Lord, just imagine that of the heart of David, even when he's captured in a cave, you know. And he, and he recites this beautiful thing. He sets my feet upon their high places. Puts a new song in my mouth, even praise to my God. To behold the beauty of the Lord. As I look through the scripture, I see the probably possibly the greatest beauty that I've beheld. Jesus in the garden. Father, the hour has come. Glorify me now with the glory I had with you before the world was. And then he prayed over us, for everyone who was to come, that the same glory that was upon him would be upon us. The same for which he was sent into the world, that we who are not of this world, but we would be sent in to this world. And finally prayed for the same love that the father had for him his son before the foundations of the world. That that same love that he has for his son would be in us. The beauty of Christ, the glories of Christ. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man those things which God has in store for those who love him. But he has revealed it to us through his spirit. And he has stored up the mysteries of his love and his grace and his glory to be discovered by us. It's the glory of the king to conceal a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out and find and pursue and uncover. Hmm. And So it tells us there in a beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians, which we were on last night. I'm giving, just, just slipping through a few little overviews here as I kick off for those who weren't able to be here. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. (coughs) The hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor has ear heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And these dimensions of promise, we've talked a lot about promise and the presence of God and the promises that come when you spend time alone with God. The promises that can flood you there. The beauty of the Lord and the promises that He carries to us. And He carries those promises to us through the Spirit and reveals things by His Spirit to us for us. For us, I didn't make that up. The word of God says it's for us. He carries them to us for us so that we can carry them among the world, so that we can go and live and minister from the presence of God as people of promise great and precious promises, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises we may become partakers, shareholders with the divine nature of God. Koinonia is the word used, the same as koinonia, fellowship, that our life may be in fellowship with the divine nature of God. He's giving us something to reflect and carry upon our lives for us to take hold of. And as we come into the presence of God, I think there's a a presupposition in the scripture that's always there that we'll understand that this is the realm where the Holy Spirit lives and shows and speaks exactly as Jesus promised. This Holy Spirit who will be with us forever. Unending. Your connection with, with the spirit of God is spirit to spirit. Right. <clears throat> so as we talk about the presence of God, we're not talking about sort of something that you can come to on Sunday and wait for next Sunday and wasn't the presence of God wonderful. And that's, that's beautiful because for sure, even now, my, my heart breaks for people who have disconnected through the COVID time and for whatever reason. My heart breaks for their children. It's, it's as though we'll be right. But, but we comprehend with all the saints. We comprehend among one another, as Ephesians says in chapter 3. It's among the saints That we comprehend the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of his love. We experience it together the forgiveness that's necessary, the forbearance with one another, the preferring of one another, the chance to put yourself in the place where you're ready to serve the other, even when it's not easy to do. That's where we learn the ways of love, is when we're together. Warts and all, you know. And Sure, the presence of God is among the gathering of the people where we gather together in his name, even two or three, he's there in the midst of us. But there's a presence which is something we step into that we called and we ministered a whole session on the secret place of the Most High God. The place where Jesus said, when you pray... God, who sees in the secret place, rewards you openly. And we started last night, we, were, we, we started last night's session and didn't get through it. And that's uh, not unusual for me unless <laughs> I want to preach for two hours, which I'm not going to do today. One and a half only. <laughs> no, not at all about taking hold of the promises of God and holding them precious to us. And I deliberately spent the first big chunk of last night just speaking about promise, how the Bible told us what I just quoted before from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where it talks about his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us in glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature of God. We don't become divine. We come into fellowship with the divine. When it says partaker, the word is koinonia, which is the same as koinonia, which is which is communion and fellowship. We come into fellowship with the whole nature of God. As we talked about that, why does he choose promise? Why doesn't he just do the handout? Why doesn't God just hand out the thing we want? Why does he promise it first to give us the chance, you know, that we would respond to that promise? Why would he do it that way? Because he knows how powerful it is for us to come into fellowship with the promises of God and the nature of God. He knows how good it is for us because it draws us in, brings us nearer to the heart of God, his purpose for the thing, the thing that he's promising. Why doesn't he just keep handing out? Because he starts with promise. Why does he start with promise? That we'll seek him in faith. And take the promise by faith. Lead us into godly behaviour and attitude and gratitude and patience and humility and obedience and trust. And these are good things. And why did I start with that? Because I wanted to give now one of the huge promises that comes out of our relationship in the presence of God. And that promise is the fragrance of Christ. So here we go. Let's let's see what this is really about. Second Corinthians chapter two, reading from verse twelve. Oh, don't worry about the first bit. It's just Paul talking about some stuff in verse twelve from Troas. We mentioned Troas last night, we just planted a church there. Can you remember the name of the town there at Troas, what it's called? Iverchik. 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 The young fella's happiest town where all the young blokes are really happy. Iverchik. <laughs> we <how> <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have, we have. We've planted a church in the last few weeks in Iverchik in Turkey, which is uh, Troas. Okay. And he couldn't find uh, Timothy, uh, Titus, I mean, sorry, about it. Anyway, but now he says in verse 14, now thanks be to God. Here it comes. Here's a promise that is exceedingly great and precious. Listen for this promise. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And it says an interesting verse. To one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient of these things? Paul was speaking about giving a picture reference to something that was known all through the Roman world at that time. He hadn't been to Rome at this time. Of what Rome was famous for along that incredible street called the Via Sacra, the sacred street, that every year or every massive triumph over another nation, the emperor of Rome and the great Roman uh, leaders, their mighty uh, triumphant generals and conquering generals would come in chariots and on horses just decorated and lines and lines of troops blowing trumpets and and people coming along with censers in their hands filling them with piles and piles of, of, of this incense until the whole city of Rome would be touched by the fragrance of what we would... What where the expression comes from, the sweet smell of victory. As the Romans celebrated their victories, they conquered another land, their empire had expanded. And this was their way of uh, displaying their power and their glory with the sweet smell of victory. And Paul now says, just a moment, guys. Thanks be to God who always, not once a year, not just in the triumphant moments, always leads us in triumph in Christ, or some Bibles say in triumphant procession in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place, always and every. He used those two totally definite realities to say, we're just, just not on about the good times. We're on about carrying something that's always there, being put on display before the world. And that is this glorious triumph, this glorious fragrance of Christ. And we saw how fragrance always matters to God. But from the very beginning of man giving back to God. God designed around them the fragrance which was like the human earthly equivalent of what it's like in heaven. You can see through some of those what seem unexciting books of the Old Testament like Leviticus, where God would give them the exact prescription for the fragrances that would fill his house the oils for anointing, the, the ways that they would represent the presence of God with fragrance. God filled the earth with fragrance when he created it. Every fragrant thing in the earth came out of the mouth of God. He knew the exact thing that his temple, his house, his dwelling place where God came and his presence was there and in the Holy of Holies he was the light of that place, the only light in that completely sealed holy chamber was his presence and everything was designed towards that presence where God was. So the fragrances that were all over the priests, the anointing oil, carried the same fragrance as the presence of God and where the priests went through the streets with this fragrant oil over their garments you could smell them before you see them some people are like that in the wrong sense but these priests shouldn't have said that so I take that back it might be a bit true but anyway just imagine you can just imagine those streets of Jerusalem and Priests are here. Priests have been down this street. A priest is coming. It's got the fragrance of the holy place. It's got the fragrance of everything that represents that God is here, is upon them. And we think about the incense offerings. We think of the offerings that were given before God, the burnt offerings, which it even says 35 times in Leviticus and Numbers, a sweet savour to God. Isn't that beautiful? Offerings of repentance and obedience and praise and honour and thanksgiving. Then the incense offerings to offer back to God things which would go up to him for cleansing, to fill the atmosphere for the holy place and the fragrant oils. Fragrance always mattered because it was like the representation of his presence in heaven here on the earth. And so we got last night to a point where we were just about to go forward and we ran out of time. For we are not only... Diffusing the knowledge of of God through the fragrance of Christ in every place. But he also said, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Now you would know that the name Christ means anointed one. That's what Christ means, anointed one. We are carrying the fragrance back to God of the anointed one. That which was upon Jesus, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to carry the good news, to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, to break down the prison houses that people live in because the anointing is upon me. I am the Christ, the son of the living God. and We are back to God the fragrance of Christ, we are. We're bearing this, his presence, his power. And we see in the scripture that God was shifting everything that he first represented in that temple. He shifted it all now to us. the prophets began to speak of another temple that was coming which was not made by hands that the glory of this temple will be more mighty than the glory of the first temple second corinthians 3 talks about if that if that first was glorious how much more glorious is that which is upon us in christ If the glory that was on Moses when he brought down the the law of God was so great that his face shone like the sun. 2 Corinthians 3 says, but that was a glory that was fading away. And they put the cover over his face not only for the brilliance of the shining but for the fact that it was fading away. It was something that had its time. And we saw that even in that old temple, it was very event-oriented what God would do. <laughs> glory would come uh, for, uh, particularly at powerful times. Corinthians says, what about the glory? How will it much, not much more exceed in glory that which is here for us? And God shifts the fragrance as He shifts the presence from that old into this house, to us. Yeah. That you would carry it. That you would be the one who carries that glory of God and the fragrance of Christ wherever you go. Some people will react that it'll be like death to them and isn't that the truth and some people to them it's going to be the aroma of heaven to them I want what you've got I need so we've been preparing scores and scores and scores of people going out into Maitland at the moment Preparing them, sending them for this mighty gospel tent coming, which the church has been so graciously promoting for us, which I hope you can be part of. 2,000 seats, filling it every night for eight nights. Mighty ministry from Tim Hall and Catherine Ruinala. Exceptional worship band from Interstate. We want to fill that place, we want to fill Maitland, one of the places that's got some of the strongest occultic stuff going on that you could imagine. And God's changing the song over that city. He's trying to bring a fragrance into that city which is the fragrance of Christ upon us. And he's shifted things to us who are the temples of the Spirit of God. I see it. And there's five things I wanted to mention now. Five fragrances that carry the aroma of Christ in our life. The first one is the fragrance of prayer and intercession. Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8, speaking the mysteries of heaven. Revelation 5.8 says, When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb of God, each having a harp, which is worship, and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. One of the incense fragrances of Christ that should be upon the church and upon your life is your prayer and your intercessory prayer life. It doesn't stop at the ceiling. When you pour out your heart before God in prayer and worship and adoration and seek the beauty of the Lord, it doesn't stop at the ceiling of your bedroom. passes into the heavens. I believe it's gathered in golden bowls in heaven like something unbelievably precious as incense because the word says it. There's another beautiful reference and I didn't write it down but it's in uh, Revelation 8 verse 2. Basically saying the same thing, but in a, in a in another beautiful way. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel having a golden censer, a censer is like this thing that you have the coals in it, and they put the incense on the censer. Came and stood at the altar before the Lord. He was given much incense. That he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Your prayer life is fragrance to God. And you think, well, I, I don't think I got what I wanted. God got exactly what he wanted. I don't think he's given me what I wanted. God received exactly what he wanted. For you to bring your prayer, your worship, your surrendered desire. Where you have not come on your own terms. But you've come on his terms. And you've lifted your voice often with tears. Oh, that's enough on that fragrance. There's another sermon right there. The second one is the fragrance of our repentive heart. I cannot say this. I could do another whole sermon on this one, honestly. You, and you know, you know that we could because this is fragrance to God. This is adoration. This is beautiful. This is sacrifice. Can I tell you about this little woman in Luke chapter 7? Some believe it was Mary, Mary Magdalene out of whom Jesus had uh, delivered her from seven demonic spirits In luke chapter seven we won't read it all just because it takes a while and uh time's running we're only on the second fragrance but i, I just love this story so much In verse 36, and one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come and eat with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. She was a sinner. She heard that Jesus was there. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And the Pharisee who was visited, when he saw this, he spoke to himself and said in himself, this man, if he really was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. It would be kind of nice if it was Mary Magdalene, really. (laughs) Because the first woman who touched Jesus in his earthly incarnation was the beautiful Virgin Mary. And he came only touched by those hands of that pure, pure virgin mother of Jesus. When he rose from the dead, the first person who touched him was Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. I just love that. Somebody who'd been so lost in sin was the one who touched him when he rose from the dead and broke the power of sin forever. And here's this little woman, and this Pharisee's judging the situation. Not only that she is not worthy, but if Jesus was a prophet, he would have known to not let this woman touch him. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, knew what was in his heart. I have something to say to you. And Simon, this Pharisee, said, teacher, say it. He talked about two creditors who had debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. And they had nothing which, to which repay. So he freely forgave the both of them. Which one would love him more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who he forgave the more. And Jesus said, you've said it right. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, now here we have the self-righteous and the unrighteous. And he put this Pharisee who had studied the word who was in a place of great honour as a religious man and he began to weigh him against this repentant sinner woman. See this woman, Simon? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wiped my feet with her tears, washed them with the hair of her head, You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since she came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed me with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Here's a graphic illustration of that fragrance of a repentant heart. This was in the region of Nain, actually, where Mary Magdalene was from, so it very possibly was her. We think about the times of the Day of Atonement in the Bible when the sins of the people were covered by the grace of God. And what was it about that day? That was the day when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. But on that day he would come with something very different. And here it was on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, 12 to 13. Then Aaron shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten very finely and will bring it inside behind the veil. There he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is in the on the ark of god lest he die lest he die he's not going to live without this there's not going to be a day of atonement there will be no atonement made without a covering of sweet incense over the mercy of God where God says make this golden mercy seat and I will meet you there and I will meet you there and on the day of atonement the day that atonement was made for the sins of the nation what was God seeking? He was seeking the fragrance the blessed fragrance of repentance to cover his mercy seat before anything else. It's, to me it's why when there's a move of God on its way, the people of God are searching for his presence more than ever. Something comes first. Something's coming first among the people of God as a move of God is coming. There are moves of God in our nation on already here and on their way. I'm awakening something with this picture from the word of God. That when our own hearts are in full repentance and the fragrance of repentant heart and prayer covers the mercy seat of God, Anything is possible. A nation can be saved. A region can be saved, can, can enter into revival if we'll be people of the presence of God. If we will humbly pour out before God prayer as incense, even a repentance of our own sin. What Aaron was doing there was we're coming on behalf Of those who couldn't come for themselves. Those who can't come for themselves. The third one. (laughs) The fragrance of our witness to the world. Don't you love this one? Don't you just love this? How beautiful it is that the fragrance of Christ is on us for a witness to the world. Through us, he will diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ in every place. And we see it. Ephesians 5.2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. When we walk in the love of Christ, in the presence of Christ, we're connected with something that's just so glorious. The aroma of Christ is all over us salvation number four the fragrance of our worship twice now in my lifetime and once was quite recently I wasn't preaching about the fragrance of Christ or anything just about salvation about the goodness of God or something and people all over the room started to, to smell a fragrance in the room. I had this a couple of times. They could smell what was going on spiritually. When I was uh, about 25, Tim Hall was one of my good friends who's coming to this crusade. So I'm talking quite a while ago. I'm talking just over 40 years ago. I got him up to where I was, had quite a revival going in a little country town called Kaiabram. And it was among young people, and we got Tim up in a tent, and we brought him up there and had meetings, and he stayed in a caravan behind our place. And God came and moved. It was just awesome. And after Tim was gone, we thought, oh, we better go and clean out the caravan. And I say this with absolute I say this with absolute truth. I opened the door of the caravan. <laughs> And out came this aroma that I've never ever felt, smelled before or since. (laughs) That's why I still love Tim so much, why I'm bringing him here to the Hunter Valley, why we're battling against raging things of the enemy to bring a visitation of God into our region because I know, we know that we know that God has spoken it. And we know that there's a new song over this region. God's going to turn off the song of death and the song of destruction and brokenness. And He's going to turn on the song of the fragrance of heaven all over our region. I believe it yeah. with all of my heart. And the fragrance of adoration in our worship is that other Mary. We don't really need to, you know, the story in John. Chapter 12, when she came in as Jesus was with his disciples. She'd gathered a perfume that was worth a whole year's wages. I don't know what wages are now, maybe $60,000 or something. I'm not sure. Young people are thinking, I wish. <laughs> I don't know what, what you'd say. Let's say $50,000. You're still saying, I wish, aren't you? (laughs) But she'd gathered this uh, fragrant oil. She came and poured it over Jesus. And uh, you know what they said, the disciples, what a jolly waste. They didn't get it at all. They just didn't get it. (laughs) There's always costly parts, costly aspects. And the costly aspect is sometimes the thing that is the most beautiful indicator that you're on God's terms and not your own. She took this vial of most magnificent perfume and the Bible says, and it filled the whole house where they were gathered. The fragrance of worship. Ah, Lastly, the sweet smell of victory. The triumphs of his church in the earth. The fragrance of his church triumphant. God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. For me, one of the greatest victories is a church that knows its way to the presence of God and the best thing I've got to offer on any day of any year the best thing I've got to offer for anybody is that I've been with God (laughs) I can't give any better than that I could rehearse my sermons a thousand times I could Cook a hundred cakes for people who need them. Not that they'd eat my cakes. I could do all these other things, but the best thing I can bring and carry and have upon my life is the presence of God. The sweet fragrance of Christ. Thanks heaps for listening to this week's message. To find out more about what's happening in the life of our church and how you can join in with all the fun, head to newbindelinks.com.au or find us on social media. Have a lovely week.